I'm, my name is Theresa Baumgarten. I'm Marketing Manager at ITB Berlin and I would like to welcome you to a new podcast episode of the Travel Hero Podcast by ITB. With today's episode, we are also kicking off a series of four episodes dealing with a quite a hot topic um, that not only the tourism industry is currently facing, name shortage of skilled labor. Well, there's closed restaurants, hotels, canceled flights, poor working conditions, seasonal and shift work. The industry really doesn't have it easy right now and has to fight a, well, let's say, rather unattractive reputation. And in the end, many jobs remain vacant. And the German newspaper Tagesspiegel claimed just the other day that there are currently 46,000 vacancies in the German hotel catering and catering industry alone. And actually vacant, there's probably up to, let's say, 100,000 jobs. And like, why is that, we ask? What happened to the claim that actually worked really well in acquisition for years, which was work where others go on vacation? Is the tourism industry really that bad to work in? And is there a new work attitude companies have to cater to? And how and where does a tourism company actually find suitable staff? Oof, there's so many questions, but without spoiling too much, we will find out. Our moderator of this exciting topic series is Laura Schmidt, co-founder of Elevator and self-proclaimed hospitality nerd, who founded her young company with a special mission that is very much in line with the stated topic. Dear Laura, welcome, first of all. Um, could you share more about what you actually do? Yeah, hello there. And thank you very, very much, Teresa, for this charming introduction. Um, and yeah, you're right. Elevator, which is a networking and inspiration platform for professionals in the hospitality industry, providing them with industry-specific contents, also aims at illustrating the multifaceted nature of our industry, with the ultimate goal actually to improve the sector's image as a working and career environment. And uh, Elevator stands for Thinking Hospitality Forward. And that is why in everything we do, we focus on inspiration and innovation. And with our content, we encourage people to think ahead and about what will be important in tomorrow's world. So we create cross-industry and international knowledge transfer. And we are at home on various channels. And as we call it, a hospitality next work for the new gen, for young leadership, for female power, and actually for all movers and shakers of the hospitality industry. Well, thank you, Laura. In my eyes, that's like a really super interesting and forward-looking business model. And um, thanks for the intro. Um, but back to our topic, what and who can we expect in the four upcoming podcast episode on the topic of shortage of skilled workers? Well, what we will do is examining the question from different perspectives. So we will start with a conversation with two representatives of, well, let's call it the next generation. And those two are currently developing their skills and competencies in the course of their academic education. And it will be interesting to learn what makes working in the tourism industry attractive to them. What does an employer need to be like? What does the job itself need to be like? How does the working space look like, etc., etc.? And in the following episode, our guest will be a professor from uh, of IU, the International uh, University of Applied Sciences, and he'll give us insights on the topic from a scientific perspective. So we will learn or we will have a deeper look um, at a study of the IU um, that was conducted about long-lasting motivation at work. 
We then, of course, want to find out how the topic is dealt with in practice, while we will talk to two employers within the industry, and we want to learn more about their efforts and strategies, and also about their experiences with those efforts. And finally, we will talk about the question, how uh, organizations can enable talent development, what kind of tools there are, and then eventually how talent can be retained in the industry. Great. Thanks for the for this awesome preview. I think it's going to be very exciting because we will be looking at the topic from so many different angles and hopefully in the end shed some light on how to deal with this yeah, hot topic on, on the situation. Right. So why don't we dive in the first episode uh, with the, you call them next gen, um, or let's call them twins, Um also known as the future generation generation of employees. Enjoy the conversation. Thank you, Teresa. Uh, I am very happy to kick off this series of ITB Travel Hero. Let's talk in this very moment. And today, as you just heard in my little conversation with Teresa, We are going to meet two passionate young professionals who are currently preparing for their professional future. They are both studying at university, though in very different fields. So first of all, let us welcome Pia Mingenbach and Stefan Nemeth. Hi, Pia. Hi, Stefan. Hey, Laura. Thanks hey. for having us. Yeah, great that you both join us for this very first episode of our series that deals with the hot topic of labor shortage in the industry. And you both actually represent just the kind of skilled labor the industry is looking for. That is why we would like to learn what work is all about or should be all about in your eyes. What do you expect from your professional careers and your future employers? And ultimately, what makes you happy at work and eventually in the industry you work in? Because often we talk about what the next generation might want or how their representatives might be like, etc., instead of just involving them into the discussion. So that is what we want to do in this course, in the course of this episode. And to start off, Pia, you're 21 years old and currently studying leisure and tourism management at University of Applied Sciences Stralsund. What do you like most about your study program? Well, actually, Uh, I'm already about to finish my study program. It's an eight semesters bachelor degree and I'm currently um, in my seventh semester and it's an internship semester. So this is already the first thing that I very much like about my studies. It's very practical. And I just came back from a semester abroad, which I spent in Barcelona. So um, for me, the tourism industry is the perfect um, sector and the perfect study course to get a lot of experience from different fields and somehow link your passion with your personal expectations and your like ideas about your future. So I think that the LTM study course which I chose is a program that offers me a lot of that like the opportunity to experiment myself and to, to test myself in uh, different sectors, different fields, not only from tourism, but also from the media universe and also the, the language education, which is also part of my studies, uh, which is another practical component, which is very, very handy and useful in my later occupation I, 
I imagine. Muy bien uh, to, to get back to this and also to your uh, semester abroad in Spain, in Barcelona. So this probably goes hand in hand a bit with the aspects that fascinate you about the tourism industry as such. Um, trying out different things, um, getting to know oneself maybe, um, getting in touch with different cultures. Um, what other aspects are there that uh, fascinate you about the industry, Pia? Well, I always knew that I wanted to study something, but I was not sure what to study. And suddenly, I think it was when I was 15 years old, the idea of studying tourism popped into my mind because I always was interested in this dynamic relations between identity, culture and society. And I think this is exactly where traveling and tourism cuts right across. So traveling means so much to people and to to our society, not only from an economic perspective, like it's a mass phenomenon that has become a very important pillar of our economy and therefore also plays a big and important role in presenting solutions to the current problems we are facing. But it's also very interesting as a psychological or sociological phenomenon, because when you are abroad or when you're traveling in general, you are in a kind of sphere or in a mindset that is extremely different from what you used to do and your perspective your habits everything is just out of the ordinary and i felt it myself several times when i was abroad that i somehow grew beyond myself and the person who came back was not the person who left so this phenomenon about traveling is so fascinating for me that I knew I I want to do something with relation to tourism. Yeah, that sounds great and like a lot of passion here. Thank you. And now it's time to share your passion, Stefan, I would say, for the tourism and travel industry. Although in your case, it comes from a different angle, I would say. You are also amidst your bachelor's degree, but in the field of information systems at Technical University of Munich. So what's your link to tourism and why do you love the industry? What would you say? Yeah, so I travel a lot myself and, and therefore also work on a lot of personal projects um, regarding um, traveling and search engines, uh, regarding traveling and finding accommodation and transport. Um, so it's just something that I really do, uh, to do, I really like to do myself and um, for which I build projects, which is really something that uh, kind of connects me with that industry. And I also work at a company that creates software for various industries. So not specifically uh, tourism industry, but uh, it might also include it. Um, yeah. So that's what I usually do. Like, it's just something that I, I, I would personally say it's, It's more of something which I do because I, I like it, um, and I might I kind of make it my own profession, in as a hobby, uh, uh, by while working on something else. Well, <laughs> so it's, yeah, that sounds yeah. great. I mean, that's a, a dream uh, for everyone actually, and uh, I would say you're a passionate traveler as well. That is probably another link to the to the industry, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, uh, I I think I I'm more often abroad than I'm at home. Um, it's because uh, it's something that I just really enjoy. Um, it's something that uh, Pia also mentioned. I just like to explore new cultures, talk to different people, which are, well, it's also nice to, to, to talk to people in Germany. 
but it's just uh, another experience to talk to people who live another life, uh, especially if you're not in the Western world and you're a bit more in Asia. And yeah, I like uh, I like another climate zone. <laughs> I like to go to the beach in winter. Um, yeah, Who just uh, yeah. and I and I like cheap food, like compared to what we used to. So it's just a few things which make me really travel a lot. Um, yeah, so it's just something that I regularly do <laughs> every two or three weeks. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Um, and I think an ideal imagination of one's life um, for any professional who's working in the industry somehow. And this brings me a bit to my next point. In our little uh, briefing, you told me, uh, Stefan, that you are a fan of remote work, um, not least because of your travel addiction, as we might call it, probably. So my first yeah. question in this context is, um, so you're uh, in your 20s. Have you ever experienced a work situation where you come to the office like five days a week, sitting at the same desk every day, etc.? Or is that something you have never experienced, actually, because you had the opportunity for remote work um, since you've started to work? Well, I started off as a freelancer, so I kind of uh, had my own decision there. Um, I did not go to the office. Um, and later I joined a company, which also was like in the process of starting remote work um, because of the coronavirus. Um, but they, uh, first of all, they had like, they had office days and people usually went to office and then they had to switch over to, uh, to like a remote situation, which uh, a lot of companies did back then. And, um, well, it was like, uh, kind of lucky, I think, uh, when I, that, that's the time when I joined. So I was never, uh, I was never like in, a, in an office where, where I had to be. And uh, now I kind of shape a remote first culture at our company because it's not just flipping a switch it's you have to rebuild uh, rebuild and build new processes in order to support a remote first um, culture at a company which is what i'm doing right now wow that's amazing um and it's uh, well it's a big trend um as we all can hear and see and experience uh, ourselves, of course. So um, can we then say that uh, this is something you personally expect from any future employer, allow allowing you to work from anywhere in the world for a certain amount of your work time, at least? Yeah, it's like a no-brainer for me. It's a requirement. Uh -huh. Okay. Um, and well, it's like you said, like, that's what the topic is about. I can choose where I want to work because we've got like so much offers. So I would just go where it's something that is given to me. And if there is nothing, I would just uh, work as a freelancer again. It's just um, something which is ubiquitous right now and it will be in the future. Thank you for sharing these uh, thoughts, Stefan. And Pia, sometimes the topic of remote work in the tourism industry isn't that easy as many occupations within the sector are stationary. If we think, for example, about hotels, restaurants, etc. Have you had the opportunity to work remotely in any of your previous jobs? Well, uh, first of all, I want to congratulate on Stefan's comment because I think calling remote work a no-brainer is its very much the essence of um, what this new work spirit of our generation is about. It's about this flexibility and not necessarily having to do something, but having the option to. It does not mean that 
whenever you might have the opportunity to start working at 10, you start working at 10 because you're like a lazy person and something like that. It's just about having the opportunity and fitting your personal life, your your plans and everything into um, work that should support you in living up to who you are, in my opinion. So uh, yeah, I really much like that thought. But of course, as you said, Laura, it's not always that easy in the tourism industry. So if you have a management position, for example, I think it's doable. Like most people, I think especially CEO, female CEOs might push forward this trend at the moment because they had the COVID pandemic and they realized that having the opportunity to work from home sometimes can put off a lot of stress and pressure from your shoulders. But on the other hand, I think that we must also be careful with that because you start to have very very many occupations and many different roles you need to fulfill at the same time when you work remotely and this is also what I realized when I worked from home for a while like my second to my fifth semester I spent working from home and studying from home of course because presence classes at the university were forbidden and I also had side jobs during that time and I worked as a teacher a language teacher for um, migrant children and I worked as an assistant in project management for a professor at our university and this was a time when I sat at the desk like hours and hours much longer than a usual work day and I sometimes got confused in my head with the different roles and the different boundaries that suddenly started to blur but I have to say that I felt that I worked more productively in that time as well because I could adjust my work times and my schedule according to my metabolism and my personal biorhythm. So for me, for example, it was very helpful um, to have the opportunity to decide when I start working because I'm an early bird and I like to get up early and finish the hard work, the tasks that need to be done first thing in the morning. And then at noon, I get kind of a low period where I start to contemplate or where I need to talk to other people to get some new inspiration and new thought and this would be the time when I could join conferences or when I would come to the office if it's possible and in the evening I usually get creative again so at about 9 or 10 p.m. it's another high for me where I really sometimes have the the need or the urge to write something down when it pops up in my head and being flexible to to do all that by working remotely or working in a hybrid model. Um, this would be very important for me as well. Yeah, that's a good and a very interesting point. But um, Pia, the, the possibility for remote work, um, is that then something you would expect from your future employers as well? Knowing that not all professions might give you the opportunity, especially if you think about um, tourism or hospitality, or is it something you could think about, but it's not a must? Well, I think having some 
of remote work or new work, as this trend is called, elements in your later professional life is important for me and remote work is definitely a factor. So when I, I, for example, I was recently in a situation when I had to decide between two job offers and in the end I took kind of passion over payment because this job I was more passionate about really offered me the flexibility and the framework to discover to and to grow and this is something that was only possible due to working and doing other things at the same time and If I had not had the opportunity to work remotely, I would not have been able to do all these projects I want to do and arrange my schedule, juggle these different priorities I have at the same time. And this is uh, definitely the aspect that finally made me take this decision for this specific company or this specific offer. But this also brings me to my my little uh, remark about that. It's not just about remote work. For me, the opportunity to grow and the notion of being supported by your employer is also very important for me. So it's also about the culture, it's like the work climate and being competent in dealing with your employees, like finally finding a good balance between trust and control and support and I don't know like conversations giving feedback this is also very important for me right so many soft factors as we might call it but apart from these are there any hard facts uh, if we might call it like that you just mentioned flexible working hours but uh, for example the number of holidays Is that, or the day, the, the amount of holidays, is that something you would look at in the first place when you screen potential employers? Or is then again the decision, it's all about passion and the opportunity to grow and everything. And that's a side effect. And because it used to be an important fact, what's the number of the amount of holidays? But I'm not so sure whether it's still that important nowadays. For me, I would say it is a minor factor to consider in the situation because there are always opportunities to talk to your boss and ask for, I don't know, like three months off to, to find yourself to work abroad or to shift to a different department and to get some new inspiration, a new climate and a new environment which might open up new perspectives for yourself. And this could also be like a mini holiday while you're still working. Because you are out of the ordinary, you are stuck within the same office with the same people anymore. So, of course, having real holiday, as you might think of it in the traditional uh, sense of words, I think is important. But I would rather go for, I don't know, working away, working abroad, rather than just the number. Yeah, Having these 30 days off. Or right. something, right? Wow, um, Stefan, would you agree on that? Well, uh, I guess it's it's not as it's not as important as it used to be, and nowadays intangible benefits are a lot more important than they were before, I guess. However, I think it's still important to have like, I don't know how many uh, holidays you usually get, but it's still important to have that set and it's still a priority for me uh, making a decision because although I'm able to work remotely, although I'm able to enjoy the sun while working, it's still work. And if I want to, I don't know, relax a bit, uh, do not think about work for a week, 
for my personal health. That's something which is still important to me and which I'm, I want to be sure I had instead of asking for it uh, a year after work based on my, uh, my, my efficiency and my quality at work. So I partially, uh, partially agree that it's not as important, but I feel like it's still something which drives my decision nowadays. Okay, I understand. So uh, there is also um, what you will need is a frame actually that gives orientation. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, Stefan, we heard from uh, Pia that salary is not always, well, the decisive factor for taking a job opportunity. And if you could rate on the spur of this moment on a scale from one to 10, with 10 indicating the highest importance possible, how important are those factors to you? So let's start off with salary or monetary benefits. Um, I would go with 7.5. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Option for remote work? 10. Mm -hmm. Further aspects, as Pia has mentioned uh, before, uh, of new work, like flexible working hours, health offers maybe um, at work or personalized system of training and development, stuff like that? Specifically flexible uh, time, hour, like working hours, 10. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, what about additional offers at work? Well, for example, we got uh, you sports, which are covered. So you can just go to some gym and it's kind of paid by the company, which is quite nice, which is also quite important. I will also go for nine. So it's very, uh, that's something which is really nice. And I actually kind of seek for when uh, joining a company. Mm -hmm. And what about the organizational culture, the feeling of belonging? Is that anything very important to you? Yeah, it's, it's also really important because um, like it's more, it's kind of the social aspect there, I guess. And uh, it kind of makes the job. It's about fun to you. It kind of controls how well you do at work. If it's not fun and you don't enjoy it, yeah, I, I would just switch it then. And also the job itself has to be fun and you really want to do it. It's so important to work with people that you like and you, that you can kind of get along well with so that's still very important i'm not sure are we still rating then i would still go, I, i'd go for 11 <laughs> oh wow okay great good that's a statement thank you yeah and the last one security of employment that's a bit difficult because uh, i think it's a like it's a personal decision i would kind of go for a five mm -hmm. because uh i myself like to shape companies which often means that you start at a company which is not that set and still a bit risky, even though you can still uh, have a look at a company which is new but has a lot of um, like opportunities in the future. However, it's not as important to me because if the company like files bankruptcy in the worst case, there's still more to come. And that's something, it's not just, I don't, I don't see it as something which is lost, but I just see it as another experience which will come. So it's not as important to me, mm. honestly. Yeah. And I mean, you know what your qualifications are and it is not that important anymore to have a contract uh, that is unlimited. Maybe you would start off with a one year contract and then see how everything develops and whether it fits your needs. And everything yeah yes. what about job uh, or security of employment how important is that for you uh, for me i always was unsecure about this specific question myself because i'm usually a person who um likes to plan a lot to uh, have everything organized and to be sure about what i'm doing but on the other hand i'm also very curious so I don't like positions where I limit myself because I sign a 10 years contract and I might miss out opportunities and potentials I could develop 
um, just because I made this commitment. So uh, I kind of figured out for myself that I would rather go for the company that offers me the opportunity to grow into the business. So might be a short-term contract at first, And then having regular, maybe periodical conversations and meetings and evaluate together how could my future be pictured from the company's point of view and from my personal point of view. And if there's still a match, I would go with the same company, of course, but otherwise I would not be too afraid to resign and to seek out for a new opportunity. So. I don't believe in this one job for a lifetime model either. I think you develop, the industry develops and there are new professions emerging, there are new responsibilities that we need to deal with and uh, so I don't think that there is something as absolute job security anyway. So I would go for finding a solution together which means re-evaluating the potentials that are there <laughs> you would have to work for the capital <laughs> and uh, Pia now you mentioned um, social media and uh, as you will soon enter your internship semester or already are in it as you just uh, told us um, how do you approach your job search activities where do you look for jobs um, how do job offers need to be like in order to attract you? Um, are that videos or is it the classical one pager you find on a website? Um, yeah. Uh, well, so I wrote a lot of <laughs> uh, job announcements <laughs> recently uh, when I was searching for my internship. And actually, job search for me is a continuous activity that I do since I started studying because I like to have an eye on what's going on in the industry in general. And for that, social media is really perfect for me because I um, subscribe newsletters and I follow the career accounts that um, not, of course, the top players in the industry, in the tourism business, but also in the media industry and related um, industries, for example, TV or also um, um, the IT sector sometimes um, have on LinkedIn, on on Instagram. I personally am not a fan or uh, a user of TikTok, but I heard a lot about it um, from, from my friends and from people which I met abroad. So in different countries, different social media play Uh, differently important roles of course and for them for example TikTok was very important and if I would see a job announcement on Instagram for example um, I would definitely click on it and I would also um, not hesitate to contact and to reach out to employers via social media but for me it is not a complete substitute for the traditional application process. So even though I, I write a message via Instagram, I would definitely take care about my spelling, my grammar, watch out for formulating my senses accurately, just as I would do if I would write a paper application. On, this, on the other hand, for me, the 
different application forms like um, letter of uh, application, the resume, the cover letter, and the CV. Um, those um, those certificates I would not like to send via social media. So I would always be the person to reach out to the per to the the contact of the HR department, for example, and then ask them to make a personal phone call, for example, or a video call, which I frequently did and which I experienced was becoming the new standard quo, status quo. Um, and for me, this is much more important to, to get to know the company as well, because talking to a representative and reading what's written on a job um, announcement or what's written on the career website are, are two pair of shoes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, Stefan presumed that you would get employed after your studies or during your studies, maybe another um, part-time job. Would you get in touch with your potential employer, um, for example, via TikTok or Instagram or? Yeah, sure, I mean, why not? Um... Nowadays, it's uh, it's a bit different, I think, because um, uh, in at least in my sector, it's kind of the other way around because um, companies apply to you uh, in a lot of cases, which is also part of why I I, I earlier mentioned that I want to build up my self worth by uh, creating projects by having a website a portfolio, uh, which makes you a, a, a more interesting person to those companies. Because uh, that's also one reason why I built EasyJob, uh, like the application which, which can write applications for you without uh, you having to do anything. Uh, because if an artificial intelligence can write your application, it might not be as important anymore. Um, because it's uh, something, uh, because nowadays we, we look for unique people. We look for people like their personal aspect, which uh, you have to bring into. Um, and you will have to... Uh, look for the experience of someone if you want quality over quantity. So um, application itself, well, you probably have to do it. But when I, uh, at my company, when we look like for new people, um, I personally, I don't look a lot into that. Although it might be uh, interesting if there are a lot of spelling mistakes. Um, however, I'm kind of a fan of uh, looking at the experience, not even, even not the education. I don't really care about the education either. It's something uh, about the experience and the personality, uh, which kind of make 95% of, of the application for me. Um, and I don't know, applying via TikTok, why not? It's just another form of, uh, uh, of applying um, um, something else than an email, for example. And uh, companies often do adverts on TikTok anyway. So um, it might something which they also would want. <laughs> Yeah, uh, seems like it. I mean, there's a lot of companies um, already skipping the official letter of application and any uh, other hurdles, so to speak. So they try to keep it as easy as possible and then find out everything during um, personal meetings and everything. Um, but it's very interesting to see your um, points of view, your, your viewpoints, and both, I think, um, well, will will lead into the future um, somehow and depending on the company, on, on the brand culture and, and stuff like that. 
Um, so, and what about LinkedIn, Stefan? Um, I had seen you are not very active on this platform. And during our briefing, you then told me LinkedIn is completely out already, at least in your sector. That was something very interesting to me, as I have the impression that in tourism and, uh, for example, in, in the hospitality industry, where I am personally base or located, LinkedIn is one of the most important channels. So what is the next big thing in terms of social media? Okay, well, first of all, I think uh, it's not dead yet, but <laughs> uh, the technology sector is, I think it's often ahead in a lot of uh, trends because they often develop it themselves. Mm -hmm. um, so LinkedIn was like uh, important a few years back. Nowadays, it's just your own LinkedIn. Uh, you get written uh, by some recruiters on LinkedIn. Um, people share, like, um, I don't know, some news uh, about their industry, which you can, but most of, of the things that I'm interested in is on, it's not on LinkedIn, it's on Twitter. It's on other social media that people actually use. Um, so I, I think, um, Well, it's not necessarily. I don't. I don't see how LinkedIn is that important. Uh, as I've already mentioned, it's about the experience having your own. Well, it's not. Uh, well, it's not okay, uh, the same for the tourism industry, of course. But in my sector, it's having a project experience, um, and you don't necessarily need LinkedIn for that. Uh, you anyway. You just use the application process that the company provides you with anyway. And uh, they sometimes might uh, tell you, yeah, please give us a link uh, of your LinkedIn account. Uh, for developers, there's GitHub, um, which is like another platform on which you can share your projects, which is more important because it's, it's uh, well, it says more about you than uh, some colleague uh, who mentioned you on your LinkedIn page and said uh, he's done a good job. Um, and your own job description, you can also, you can just, re you, anyway, you just repeat your LinkedIn description anyway on your application. So I don't know, a LinkedIn is just something which is not for me. And it, nowadays it's, uh, it's not as popular anymore in the technology industry. That is interesting. Pia, what about you? You're a LinkedIn user, a passionate one? Yes, I'm a LinkedIn user, but not a passionate one. So uh, I agree with Stefan that for me, LinkedIn starts to become the new Facebook, I would say. So it's a platform where everybody tells you you have to have an account. Once you start uh, studying or once you search for your first job, create a LinkedIn account. But actually, it was helpful for me only to get the name of people. So to... I don't know, to find out who is the uh, responsible manager for this and that position because, coming back to what you asked before, um, frequently I think companies trying to make application processes very, very easy and fast, but they kind of lack the information that are very helpful for um, uh, applicants in the process. So. If you need to send an application and you cannot fill in a form, an online form, for example, you would need to have the, the name of the responsible manager. And for that, I use LinkedIn a lot. Um, but actually, when it's about cre applying myself, I would always think about something more creative. It's as 
just like Stefan said, it's about showing what you can, showing what you, what experience you have and where your limits maybe also are. So this is why I, for myself, uh, found my personal website a good up, um, substitute for that. So I created a, a website where I introduce myself and where I have my CV and my portfolio and everything um, directly available. So people who would just Google me can find me on LinkedIn or they can find me on my website and through that they can reach out to me directly without the need of a third platform. And this is something I can um, update more regularly and I think it's independent from the limits or the functions that those platforms offer you. So it's more about showing your personality and bringing it into the, the website or whatever form, creative form of application you, ha you hand in, um, which is already kind of a, a sample of work. Yeah, great approach. Uh, and I, I saw Stefan does the same. So um, maybe we can encourage more um, young people to do that. And now, folks, let's try to look a bit into the future. What will be the topics or should be the topics you will be dealing with as professionals within, let's say, the next 10 years or so with regards to tourism and travel? What do you think? Maybe, um, Pia, would you like to start? Of course. So I think tourism is one of the most sensible and sensitive businesses towards uh, regarding the um, the different trends or influences in our society and in our economy so we've seen in the times of the covid pandemic that tourism is not as independent as it uh, was always thought to be because it it actually came to a complete hold when the pandemic hit and the boundaries were just shut and where uh, the borders were just shut and where the, um, the government tried to put security over the freedom to travel. So this is something that really um, made me feel uncomfortable at first because I was fearing for my professional future in the tourism business in I don't know how many years the pandemic might might last. So um, that was something that gave me a little bit of a creep in the beginning. But then it also uh, was was stunning to observe how um, yeah how solid and how uh, how reliable pe people's need and people's creativity to travel and to make something um, possible to travel, to get to know other cultures, other countries, other people actually was. So this was also something um, that I, I heard from so many people who work in the industry, so many um, very well-known uh, speakers and experts from, from, the, from the sector that they said growing resilience is one of the most important tasks of our time and it's growing resilience in the industry with new business models um, with new 
are also maybe revenue streams given the inflation and the the energy prices, which is a huge problem for the tourism industry, but also growing resilience in the people. And therefore also those soft factors of new work will also be important. For example, starting with uh, creative workspaces or biophilic design um, also in or especially in very stressful occupations like in the tourism industry and in the hotel ye business, for example, um, those will be the topics that shall move uh, the industry and there should definitely be more discussions about that. Mm. Yeah, thank you, Pia. And uh, Stefan, can you add on uh, Pia's thoughts? Yeah, sure. So I, I kind of understand why she was frightened back then. Um, nonetheless, I, well, I personally, or I think that uh, traveling is something that people will always want to do. And uh, there's like this desire permit. And I I think it's uh, it's quite important there as well, even though you might, uh, you might put it to self-realization. Um, but for me, it's like uh, right after a food. Um, <laughs> however, um, yeah, it's something which people will always want to do. Uh, however, one aspect which will also quite be important, in my opinion, even though I'm not that knowledgeable about the tourism industry, will be um, climate change and climate-friendly traveling, which will uh, require some, well, I don't know, change, optimizations, and might also um, enable people to have new business opportunities to um, to make, uh, make place for applications for people that that can share like there's there's a lot of uh, apps already that can share a car uh, su uh like uh, surprise tickets for for flying uh, to use every seat in your in your plane um and it will be uh in the next 10 years it will always uh, it will only get more important over time um so that will be something which will need uh some innovation um because people will always want to travel and you will not only and it's not a solution to make it more expensive because um, people who do not have much money they also want to travel they also want to learn new cultures they want to learn new languages uh, otherwise it's just like uh, a circle in which you're moving um, another thing which uh, which might also be quite important is well we've already talked about remote work a lot um, and Right now, for me personally, I feel like remote work has not uh, arri really arrived at um, hotels right now, for example, um, because, well, of course, some hotels do have uh, do have uh, offices for you. Uh, however, it's kind of something which is um, uh, like co-working places, which are, they're already ubiquitous, or even though they are very pricey right now. But... Uh, They should be there should be something um, um, like offices uh, in the world around like where you can just uh, sleep. It's a hotel, but you can stay there for a month, for two months, uh, be able to work there. Because traveling, it's not only two week holidays. If you're living a digital nomad lifestyle, it's you go to Thailand, you stay there for I don't know four or five months. And you don't always want to look for an apartment, which might be empty, but you want to have a short-term hotel, which might also give you an office, which is not the case right now. So there's some, that's something that should be, uh, that people should pay more attention to in that area. Um, 
good internet, uh, like good Wi-Fi, a nice uh, office uh, desk. And yeah, that's all, that's all it takes, as well as maybe optimizing for people that want to stay more than a few weeks um, and are not just there for holiday um, and relaxing, but are actually kind of want to live there for, for their time. Yeah, right. Um, thank you so much uh, for, for these great, um, uh, well, hints, uh, also from a traveler's uh, perspective, um, not only from the B2B perspective. And yeah, so thank you both so much for, for sharing your thoughts, your beliefs and values, and also a bit your personal dreams with us in this episode of ITP Travel Hero podcast. Let's talk. Pia and Stefan, um, I wish you the very best for your professional careers and please keep uh, keep up your passion and also never give up, give up um, the will to, to change things for the better. And I'm sure that uh, you share your passion and thirst for action with many, many other young professionals out there. And that is something we, we all need to preserve in order to make professions even more purposeful. Because I, I heard a lot of um, topics concerning purpose and purposefulness within uh, your, your occupation and what you're doing. So my task, dear listeners, at the end of this episode is please answer yourself the following question. What is, what is it that makes your profession purposeful and how often do you appreciate this consciously? And last but not least, how can you maybe add on to the current purpose? Um, so thank you very much for joining us. And I'm already looking forward to the next episode of our series, The Future of Work. Stay tuned. The next time we will look at the topic from a scientific perspective. So Pia, Stefan, thank you very much. Yeah.